TLDR. If you're short on time and want to hear some of Phil Adams' life lessons and the work he's doing to reimagine democracy, then here's seven minutes of tasty sound bites. If you do have the time, uh, you're on a run, a cycle, a drive, do check out the entire episode. I promise you, this will be time well spent. Now, here's my ask of you. If you're enjoying the show, please follow us, like us on your favourite podcast player and subscribe on YouTube as it helps us grow the show. Now, over to Phil. The ethos of the school, its motto is, it had a French motto, which was plus et en route. In other words, that there's more in you than you know or that you think. And the whole ethos of the school was designed to help you discover your potential and your talent. So as well as the academics, there, there was a lot of sport, but also the Tuesday afternoon was, was devoted not to academic, but to thing called projects. So that could be music, it could be art, it could be computing, a whole bunch of things. Wednesday afternoons, everyone was in a service. So I was in a mountain rescue team, a school mountain rescue team. So Wednesday afternoon was spent training for mountain rescue and then a lot of weekends we were away in the Scottish Highlands doing mountain rescue training. You had a sort of major sport Monday and Thursday afternoons and a minor sport Friday afternoon. So basically the whole curriculum was designed to expose you to humanities, science, art, service, mm-hmm. exercise. So the idea was that if you were naturally talented at something, it would allow you to discover that which is a huge privilege, huge privilege. I wish all education was more like that for, for everybody. You know, if a value is something on which you place value, then adventure is definitely one of mine. You know, pers- in both personal and professional life. And Gordonston didn't create that. I think I had that already, but it, it provided outlets for it, for sure. And I think maybe another one, I don't know what the right word for it is, but something along the lines of opportunism and putting yourself in opportunity's way. And when opportunity comes along, take it, even if you can't really see where it might take you. I, I talk to my daughters about this a lot, that, you know, about just doing things and that life is like, you know, when people set up dominoes in, in a row and then they push them so that they all knock each other down, that you've got to just keep putting the dominoes in front of you. Because you don't, you don't know how they'll fall or what other dominoes they're going to knock into, but that will happen. So just do things that you find interesting without really thinking about where it may take you. Because the more things you do, the more likely that they will take you somewhere interesting, useful. So yeah, adventure and opportunism. Wouldn't describe myself as a courageous person. I think maybe it's more like an act of faith. Because, you know, you can't predict what the outcome or the consequences of a given action might be or a given course of action might be. You do have to trust that the more little adventures that you take, the more things that you do, there might not be an explicit linear connection between what, what you do or what those adventures are and any, any particular goal that you have. You just have to trust that if you keep doing interesting things, then interesting things will happen even if you don't know what they're going to be. So that doesn't feel courageous to me. It fe- it's a strategy for life. It's one that's based on faith that good things will happen if you do interesting things. Creative people, the really good ones, 
they have that ability to reframe things and make you see things in a different manner. And I think that's, that's the, the industry at its best is that combination of, of logic and, and magic. And sometimes when the magic happens, you have to revisit the logic because you now know something you didn't know before. This client's brand, this client's offering can be rendered in this amazing, surprising way, which we hadn't anticipated. And now that we've seen it, you know, you can't unsee it. And then you have to look at that strategy with fresh eyes and say, actually, unbeknownst to us, there was something better there. And we now know what it looks like. And the job then is to go, well, okay, what is it about this that is this surprising original idea? I can't get excited about that kind of idea just because of its originality. It has to be commercially relevant. And I think you can, you, you have a quite strong gut feel based on experience. You know, that's going to work. It's going to work better than anything we had anticipated coming from this brief. So why, why is it going to work? And then this is why it's this post-rationalization almost sounds a bit like it's cheating, but it's not. It's entirely legitimate when you're, when you are working with logic and magic, you've got to make those two things fit together. And if the magic comes after the logic, it's entirely legitimate to revisit the logic to fit that magic. I think it's, it's getting the right quality of input. And then just letting your subconscious do the work of making the connections. Sometimes you have to just apply yourself and check, you know, you know, gonna, I'm going to force this, but what tends to happen is I'll, you know, you'll have a concerted two hours of, of actually consciously trying to work something out and writing stuff down and having thoughts and ideas and using a thesaurus to come up with different words for the same thing and blah, blah, blah. But most of the time, it won't happen then. It won't happen unless you do that conscious work. But having done the conscious work, you walk away, let your subconscious do its thing. And then 10 times out of 10, when you're not trying to make it happen, it will just this phrase or something will come into your head or a, or a framework or a pattern. And then just write it down as quickly as possible before you forget it. It's funny. It, it, it sounds really thin and flaky if I were trying to sell that as a process to a client, but it's the truth. I recently read Understanding Media by Marshall McLuhan. It's the book. It's written in 1964. It's the book in which he coins the phrase, the medium is the message. In fact, the first chapter is called The Medium is a Message. And it's an often sometimes willfully misunderstood concept. But what what he says is that when he says the medium is the message, the, the message of any medium is its impact on society. So I think if he'd been alive today and he were talking about the medium is the message as applies to social media, the social media is not the content that is published and it's not the conversations that take place. The message we now know, I think, of social media is a more divided society. It's industrial scale surveillance and it's a negative impact on mental health. Okay, that's all for now, folks. Now here's my ask of you. Please follow this podcast on Apple or Spotify or whatever player you use. Also, please subscribe to our new Random Collisions newsletter. We really are working to build a global community of action takers, action engines of people that really care about the problems that need solving. Thank you very much and see you next time. Thank you.